This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out tonight. Last night, we started the show. The phones were loaded right out of the gate. We never had a chance to finish up the seven things that you can do to make your life, well, happier and more positive. Well, let's do so. Let's finish it. Uh, We started it a couple nights ago. We hit through the first two of them. Let's briefly recap one and two and then go through the remainder of the list. Okay. Um, Number one is you choose how you view yourself and your world or conscious choices and habits. So... Number two. Right, meaning you can choose to be positive or right. negative, and that's going to make the biggest difference as to how your experience is. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. Uh, number two is focus on the present, not yesterday or tomorrow. And I didn't like the way that one was written because yeah. uh, it's very important to focus on what you're going to do. Um, what was the, was the reason it, it they wrote said, it that way? It, think, it said think and worry less about tomorrow, um, yesterday and tomorrow. Worrying you definitely shouldn't be doing yeah. because worrying is something that you, you, you can't change necessarily. Um, if something's going to happen, like you've got a big uh, job interview coming up, there's no point in worrying about it. Right. What you need to do is prepare yourself. You know, you need to have your clothes set out. You need to have your uh, your attitude in check. And you need and, to know the route to uh, wherever it is that you're going, because oftentimes you can get um, lost going someplace for the first time. Leave early so you're you're there on time. You know, there are certain things you can do to make yourself more effective, but that doesn't mean that you should be fretting about it or worrying about how right. you're going to perform. It happens to me. Um, like I think about things that important things that are, that are going to happen. If something important is going to happen the next day, I'll often have a difficult time sleeping that night before. Well, there's a difference I think between being excited yeah. and being worried. Excited is a very positive feeling. Right. You're looking forward to something. For instance, Julia, she's sort of got a bit of a uh, my girlfriend. She's got a bit of a not really a worry wart nature, but she is uh, she she uses the term nervous a mm-hmm. lot and. I like to say, well, you're not nervous. It's like getting up on stage and to, to do a speech. Um, you are nervous so much as you are excited. Mm-hmm. And even if you do feel nervous, try to change that into excitement. Try to tell yourself internally that, no, I'm not nervous. I'm excited because I'm going to be right. getting up. In her case, she's running for office. And nervous she's going and to excited have... are the same thing. It's just whether you have a positive or negative feeling yeah. about you know, what your physical reaction is exactly. to what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, your, your internal dialogue about how you feel about that. Now, there are a lot of people who come from the space where they think, well, I must do this. And when you say, I must do it, then you're putting pressure on yourself and you're not at your best. Mm-hmm. And there are people who say, well, I can't, I can't do that or I won't do that because I, I, I don't feel comfortable. And again, you're, that's disempowering. So the people who will say, I will do that, figure out a way to do it and get it done. Absolutely right. If you say you can't do something, you might as well just not do it in the first place because you've created a self-fulfilling prophecy that says you can't do it. And surprise, surprise, look at that. You won't be able to. Uh, But in Julia's case, she's running for office here in Mm Kiev. And that's going to require her stepping outside of a lot of boundaries that she'd set for herself before, like appearing on television as a guest or on the radio. I mean, she she does our radio show, but she's still nervous about going in and doing a, someone else's show and appearing on a, another show. I would be, too, to some extent. Sure. I'd, I'd be excited. But that's why I told her, you know, you need to be excited instead of nervous because it's exciting that you're going to be sharing your opinions with X amount of people, thousands of people that could be listening. That's exciting. I can understand that, for instance, when I was in uh, elementary school, I used to be terrified of going up and giving speeches in front of the class. 
And um, that's, I think, a little different because then, well, you didn't really choose your topic. Right. You're not really excited about telling them about, you know, uh, Madagascar or whatever right. it is. The topic Kamikaze is. bombers in World War II. I, did this, I had the same situation. I hated uh, doing this, the speech. It was only going to be three minutes or whatever in school generally. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's the worst feeling ever. You're assigned some kind of topic and, you know, present for the class on this topic. Ugh. You know, a very wise old teacher once used to always say to me, he'd say, where the attention goes, the energy flows. And he told me the story about how he hated mowing the lawn. He just despised it. Mm-hmm. So, but he had to do it uh, because that's how he earned money for, for extras when he was a kid. So sure. what he did is he, found, he would start to mow the lawn in patterns, and, and, and he'd make little designs with the lawnmower and made it fun for himself, and that's how he got through it. Good. And sometimes you have to find the fun in something when you're nervous about it, and then you, you, can, you can be at your best. Absolutely. Let's move on with the list. Number three, don't forget to be grateful. One of the simplest and quickest ways to turn a negative and sour mood into a more positive one is to be grateful. A few things you can feel gratitude are, for instance, the sunshine and the weather, your roof, your health, a good TV show, a movie, or a song. A loved one. Your friends and family, coworkers, and just about anyone walking down the street. Just try for a minute and see how it changes the way you feel. It's a win-win situation. You feel great because you're uh, grateful about your world and people are um, and people. Excuse me, this seems to be written to me. And the people you are grateful for feel great because they feel appreciated too. You know, this is something they touch on in uh, the movie we've referenced a couple of times of the the last few shows. The secret. Um, it they talk about you know s- s- being um, saying I'm grateful for and then you know filling in the blank or th- I. Thank you for filling the blank, that right. sort of thing. You want to be grateful um, just in general with yourself, and you want to also be thankful to the people that, that you interact with. And it sounds really cheesy on its on its face. Like, what are you talking about? You want me to wake up in the morning and talk about, tell myself all the things I'm grateful for? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what, what we're talking about. Um, they, they point out, I don't know, they claim that studies have shown, they didn't claim which studies, but it's it's a claim. Take it for what it's you know what it's worth, but they say that a, a positive thought is like a hundred times more powerful than a negative thought. I would say that's that's true. And so if you find yourself, as I do sometimes, it's like this little saboteur sometimes in my brain that just throws out these negative ideas, mm-hmm. and I don't want to hear them. I am not interested in hearing them, and they they're downers, and I want to you know get rid of those ideas and replace them with positive ones. Well, the fact is, if you're making an active effort. Like you're talking about here, Mark. Mm-hmm. If you're making an active effort to say positive things about your life, I'm grateful for so and so and so forth. You know, I'm grateful to have this, this radio show and being here in New Hampshire with all these wonderful activists. And I mean, you can do it for your own life. There's all kinds of things that you know make your life great. Uh, <clears throat> it really sets you into that positive mindset more so than anything else. It, it does work, and, and it it takes some effort to do. Right. But you really should look into it. You said that a positive thought is more powerful than a negative one, and I think in some scenarios it is. But at the same time, if you have a negative thought about a scenario, one negative thought, it can get rid of all the positive things that you have the opportunity to be grateful for. If, um, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know. Um, in I suppose if you were to harp on it, that could happen. Right. One, um, I could right now be upset that, you know, I don't know, my back is lower back is hurting a little bit. Well, um, I would be forgetting all the good things that are happening in the studio right now, but mm-hmm. my because my lower back hurts a little bit. It's the one thing that I would be thinking about, right. you know? And to totally distract you from everything else you need to be doing. Right. Got Doesn't it. hurt much. Yeah, what about all the people around you? There are people who you might associate with who are downers. 
So oh, you, yeah. sometimes you have to also limit your exposure or eliminate your exposure to those people. Yeah. And may, maybe you can enlighten them can a little do. bit. Yeah. Maybe you can enlighten them a little bit and plant little seeds, and, and sometimes they will turn around. But if they don't, you know, you, you don't want to hear that stuff. Well, that's sort of the other side of the, uh, the coin in that we've talked about that one before on the show. And I think it's, really, it's a really important principle to live your life by, and that is that don't associate with people that could potentially bring you down. But the, the sad part about that is, is like, well, if they were your friends and you want to see them have a better life for themselves and you understand that associating with good people can help bring you up, you want to help pull them up. You want to help bring them out of uh, whatever morass that they, they're stuck in. But at the same time, you also don't want them to bring you down. So if you don't see any progress being made, maybe you should cut back more and more and more on the amount of time that you spend with those people. Having going out to lunch with somebody once isn't going to bring you down. But going out and hanging out and spending a lot of time with those people, on the other hand, is. So um, be very judicious with uh, who you spend your precious time on. Next up, Mark. Well, oddly, it says, help someone else find happiness is uh, number four. This is certainly one of the most popular ideas I've found about happiness. And it might sound cliche and empty, but it works very well. When you make someone else happy by, for example, helping them with something, you can sense, see, feel, and hear it. And that happy feeling flows back to you. Then, if you'd like, you can boost your own ego by thinking something like, wow, I really made him or her happy. And since the uh, law of reciprocity is strong, there, uh, there's another upside. People will feel like giving back to you, or mm-hmm. they will feel like helping or sharing with someone else. I think that's one of the secrets of life, personally. Yeah. You have to give people what they want in order to get what you want. In this case, they're talking about happiness, but it works in general. Um, just the things you need in life. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. We've got, what, two or three more? Something like that? Yeah. 800-259-9231. Chime in with your tips as to how to live a happier, more fulfilling life. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free lines. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. We've got archives and entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, so do enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. And you need to know this, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We are talking about something that uh, can have a real practical, positive effect on your life. Seven tips from some website. I don't recall what, what it is. If you can get that mark, that would be helpful. Give them a little credit where credit's due. Thepositivityblog.com. Uh, some seven, seven tips on how to make your life a little bit more positive and um, thereby more happy. Who doesn't want that? Really, who doesn't want that in their life? So, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get here on Free Talk Live. Sometimes it's a discussion of the issues. Uh, sometimes it's just something to make, help make your life a little bit better. Number five, if you missed the first five, then you can always listen to the archives. Get rid of a couple of your less valuable desires. If you want less instead of more, 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 then your desires are more likely to be fulfilled. And if you throw away a few of those desires that you may not really want or need that much anyway, you'll probably start to feel less stressed and worried. I've got one. DVD collecting. Hmm. Yeah. 
I used to collect um, before DVDs came out. I used to collect laser discs, mm-hmm. which are sort of the much larger version of DVDs, and uh, they, like twelve-inch platters. Imagine the records of DVDs. Anyway, I used to collect laser discs, and even in the, even on their decline, even um, as they were in the late 1990s on the decline, they were still relatively expensive. So I probably spent at least two or three thousand dollars of my disposable income at the time on. Movies. I think collecting in general can is a bad idea. It, it, I, it personally, I do. I, I used to have this real collecting bug um, when I was younger. I, I remember I, I I wanted Star Wars figures really badly. Now this is you know prior mm-hmm. to even being twelve or whatever, and I'd obsess on the ones that I didn't have, mm. not the ones that I had. But the ones right, that they I just set up have. on a shelf somewhere, right? Well, I'd play with them with my friends. And that oh, you were 12. Okay. Right. I, I was no, under 12. <laughs> I remember 12 was about the, the age I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really care about these things anymore. But um, then, then it moved on to uh, comic books as I got a little older. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd have all the you know, Captain Americas, but I wouldn't have a few of them, and I'd obsess on those few. You know, there was a time in my life I couldn't do collecting, and it was a good, it was a good period, good long stretch of time. So now I don't have any desire to collect things, and and essentially I have less to move around, less to worry about, just less crap in general. Wayne, any uh, collections? You no, you, you know, I used to be that the same way, but as I, I've gotten older and I've moved a few times. I've just learned that your stuff kind of weighs you down. Having too much stuff is not a good thing. It yeah, actually becomes absolutely. more of a burden on you. And if you want movies, you can go rent them. You can use Netflix. You can mm-hmm. use something. If if there's a really movie a movie that you really love, then I'd say yeah, buy the thing. And and if you if you really have to have it, but uh, I think people get too caught up in having stuff. And of course, you, as you know, when you once you get it, then it's old hat, and then you want something else. Sure. Right. And that whole cycle, that old vicious cycle of of desire. Uh, can apply in so many other areas of your life. So Secret not, to happiness, simple's what, what you got. Not only does it uh, suck up your resources mm-hmm. in that it uh, it costs you money to collect things, but it also, as you're talking about here, sucks up your mental resources. Mm-hmm. In that and you're you, emotional. You always want to continue getting more. But anyway, what I'm saying is I, uh, well, I used to collect Laserdiscs, and then DVD came out and got more popular, and so I ended up transitioning over to DVD and started recollecting the same movies that I'd had on Laserdisc on DVD. And of course, I had to sell the Laserdiscs because they were becoming obsolete. I think I got... $300 for my whole collection, if that, maybe 150 I don't really recall. It was it was pennies on the dollar right, when I and sold that's, them. And that's how it went with my comic books, too. And that's what it takes. I think so, sometimes that's what it takes to, to come to the realization that, hmm, maybe I'm throwing my money down a rat hole here. Do I really need to be behaving this way? There's, you know, there's certain things that you can collect that are likely going to go up, and, and certainly if you're in the business of collections, you can see um, collecting, whether it's comic books or gold coins or whatever it is, you can see what's going to go up and what's not. Um, well, if you're trying to make a career out of it, that's one thing, but if you're just doing it to consume and, and pull things into a closet, that's uh, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I, I started selling off the DVDs that I, I had collected, and I thinned down my DVD collection by I don't know it's now a fifth of what it was so I'd say I have less than less than 15 or 20 DVDs at this point and I don't go out the only time I buy new DVDs now is if indeed it is a movie that I really 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 loved or a TV series like Weeds or Penn and Teller's BS that I can't purchase or that I don't have television to watch and I will download online and so I feel obligated that I have downloaded and consumed their products therefore I should go out and purchase the DVD sets. Have you have you ever helped somebody move 
And as you're moving all their stuff, you're thinking, why are they keeping all this crap? Yes, Mark, as a matter of fact, when we moved <laughs> here to New Hampshire, had just drawers full. He had an entire... Uh, an entire dresser just full of no, just nonsense. It didn't have any clothes or anything useful in it. It was just just junk drawers, like a whole dresser full of junk drawers. If you have crap and you don't want it sitting out, you have to put it in drawers, right? But you don't want to throw the crap away because you feel like you're going to need the crap. Yeah. I have yeah. a, I do, That's a pack rat mentality, right. by the way. And, and, and I've, uh, substituted, I'll need it someday. Right. I, I've now substituted the uh, collecting for just crap that I already have. I don't, I don't want to throw it away. <laughs> Which... It, it, but you know, if you happen to have it, that's one thing. Going out and uh, procuring and and feeling this desire, I feel no desire for these things. I just don't want to throw them away. Did we even finish the the, uh, the paragraph there on the the recommendation? We did. Uh, okay, just to, just to recap, what what was it again? Just simplify, basically. That was the uh, um, the uh, the statement is. I'm sorry. Get rid of a couple of your less valuable desires. So that's not that's not even necessarily talking about things. We sort of took it in that direction, but it could be other things. It could be um, your desire to go out and get an orange mocha frappuccino every day at Starbucks, or get a you know you fill in the blank. Even though again we are still talking about things, but some sort of desire that that something you're chasing maybe in your mind that isn't the most productive thing. Well, I, I, another thing that I took my little collecting uh, laser beam and put it on was uh, women. Like, I okay, womanized uh, I, I womanized for a period of um, time in my life, and it was just the same as the Star Wars figures. Once mm. I had them, I didn't really care about them. Right. And, uh, you know, I would worry about the procuring the next one. So... That has uh, its own perils, I yes, suppose. even more so. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it's worse than Star Wars figures. Uh-huh. Okay. So, number six, do what you like to do. It's a pretty obvious one, but it's still easy to trap yourself into doing what you don't want for many, many hours. And seldom uh, do what you really love to do. And I guess that's one ti- um, one of the, this one ties back to tip number one. You may not be able to uh, choose what you do, um, wh- wh- what you want to do right now. Right. For many. Immediately. Right. For many hours each day or week, but you almost always have a choice to do more of what you really want to do. There's always time or time you can free up. You have the choice. And I think that, um, right, I think a lot of people don't want, don't want to do what they don't want to do, but they don't really get, it, get out and do the things that they really dream of doing at the same time. They, they're stuck in a rut. It's true. And I would say be better at doing the things that you don't want to do, that you have to do. Try to, try to eliminate as many of them as you can from your life. Absolutely. But be ready to do them and do them quickly. Get them out of the way and pursue the things that you really want to do. And all the middle stuff, well, that's the... I, I feel what mires you down. More on the way here. 800-259-9231. One more tip to make your life a little bit more happy, a little bit more positive. Who doesn't want that? And you can share yours with us if we've missed something or they've glossed over something. We'd love to hear you expound. This is Free Talk Live. George Phillies is the right candidate for president, a serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, libertarian for president. I approved of this message. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. The wiki's there, over 1,400 user-created pages, listeners like you, editing our website. It's the like listener editable version of our site. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Get interactive, W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com. 
com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. All right, as we continue and finish out the seven things you can do to make yourself, uh, your life, happier and more positive. If you've missed the first six, you should uh, listen to the archives. Let's continue up. Number seven, and then we're going to roll into the phone calls. And number seven is entitled, or at least do something. One of the best ways not to find happiness is to just hold yourself back and do nothing. Um, seldom does it show up. Paralyze yourself through overanalysis, or it's not always, e- um, or it's not always easy to take action. It can be really scary and hard and difficult. But if you don't take action, you'll be missing out on a lot, including oh, yeah. many moments, people, and experiences that can bring you a lot of happiness. Well, the world doesn't owe you anything. Certainly doesn't owe you happiness. You've got to go out there and and uh, start out with that positive mindset they were talking about. Uh, be appreciative of the things that you have in life and move ahead and and go after the things that you want. Because if you don't do it, who are you expecting to do it for you? Break out of your comfort zone can be a, a really great thing for you. Sure. And setting goals helps too. Oh, that's so critical. It's so critical. And I I know guys who used to actually write something down on a sticky note and stick it in their shoe every day. Really? Yeah. Somewhere where you see that every day, whatever that thought is, whatever the goal is. It's positive that you want to maybe move away from something that's not so good, and and putting something somewhere where you can see it. Like I always, I always like the saying that says uh, the most expensive thing you can own is a closed mind, and I put it right up above my my desk. It's a good one. You know, when I was uh, in the network marketing industry, which was <laughs> something I threw a lot of money down a hole in that particular case, but I, I did get a lot out of it. I, I got a lot. I learned a lot about sales, and I learned a lot about people, and I also learned about goals uh, from being in that in, in that business. And I, I suppose if I'd been in any sales business, I probably would have encountered goals eventually. But this is something, one of those things they don't teach you in government high school. Uh, to set goals for yourself, um, and not not surprisingly, most Americans and most people, they don't. You know, ninety. I think it's like ninety-six percent of Americans. Just you know, take that with a grain of salt. Ninety-six percent of Americans don't have goals for themselves. Right. Of those that do, very few of them, a, per- a small percentage, uh, actually write them down. Right. And when you write down your goals, it makes it much more concrete for you. You're actually looking at them, and it's there's something really tangible about writing down a goal versus just having it swimming around somewhere in the ether in your in your head. Right. And and the uh, planning of goals on a weekly basis is it's good practice to it causes you to plan for goals um otherwise you know when do you really think about it exactly yeah get you moving in a direction and i've i've been told from people who do this type of thing who teach this type of thing that actually when you write your goals down you want to write them in, down in present or past tense rather than saying i would like to sell a million dollars worth of merchandise you say, you say i have sold a million dollars worth of merchandise and you just feel what it would feel like to do that and that actually brings you closer to your goal easier and quicker than if you just imagine, oh, yeah, okay, I would like to do that. Napoleon Hill see, stuff. Yes. That's an interesting point. I, don't, uh, I haven't actually taken that into account with my goal setting, but I would say, if anything, just start with setting some goals for yourself and uh, look out five years at what you want to do five years from now and then you know, reverse backwards and see what it's going to take to get there. And it's, it is important to visualize what you want and, and really feel it. But it's also important to really break down the minutia, the steps that it's going to take to get there, sure. and have those in front of you so you know exactly what it is going to take, and that way you know when you've completed those things, and then you can move on to step two and three and four and so forth. But the, yeah, I was going to say, you also involve more than one sense, because when you just think about it, it, it's, it's useful, but when you write it down, you see it with your eyes, mm-hmm. 
you're kinesthetically writing it down, so you're involving multiple senses, and that also locks it into your consciousness better, too. It's a challenging thing uh, to set goals for oneself, and one of the things I can recommend, we've done it before, but it, this, is never, this is advice that never gets old. Uh, if you're going to set goals for yourself, please try to find someone to become accountable to, uh, because if you just do it by yourself, unless you are the most strong, strength, uh, strongly willpowered person in the world, at some point you're going to throw in the towel. I know I've done it myself, and having somebody else there, for instance, Mark and Julia and I, we get together on Friday nights after the show, and we have a little goal, a goal session. It doesn't take very long. We just sort of quickly review how we did from the past week, and we set our goals. Uh, usually it's t- the next day or the next morning that we really work on the next uh, the next week. And so we just take it a, a week at a time, and we, and we move forward. But the fact that you have somebody that you meet with at a certain time every single week to review your progress really does a lot to keep you on the ball. They don't really have anything they can hold over you besides the fact that they can maybe razz you a little bit for not doing something that you said was really important to yourself, but you keep putting off. Um, So if you're just doing it by yourself, it's going to be really difficult. But if you have at least one other person to do it with, you're both going to benefit. And it's going to to be very uh, productive. Right. Asking, um, making a promise to yourself and not really talking to anybody else about it is asking a fool to keep keep you accountable. I mean, the Mm -hmm. fact is, you're just not as likely. It's easier to let yourself fail than it is to let someone else see you as a failure. Yep. Precisely. In these cases of little goals, especially once you realize, huh. Is all I have to do not to feel like a failure at the end of the week is get my goals done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put 10 on a sheet of paper, you can get them done. Even so, um, there are some weeks where I'll complete maybe 56% of my goals, and it's easy for you to look at that and say to yourself, well, I'm a failure. Because when you went to government school, they told you that if you, you know, if you got 64% or less, you get an F. And so you sort of are still in that mindset. Whereas, I don't know about you, Mark, but I think I've got about, oh, I don't know, 25, 30 different goals on my my goal sheet for this week. I, I use 20 just for the purpose of math. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a heck of a lot easier to know if I you know fail to do one, it's 5% off. But if I if I only get through 10 or 15 or, you know, 10, a percentage, a small percentage of those goals, that's still a lot more than I would have gotten done yep. had I not had the goal sheet in the first place. So it's easy to become negative. You really need to look at it in a positive light. Let's go to the phones and talk to Sam in Texas. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne mark hello sam texas hey guys hey there what's on your mind uh i want to expand on a couple of the the first two in this list uh the first one was you choose and that's really boils down to uh perspective which is everything that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that we all have uh complete control over right you can either be positive or negative it's up to you exactly and if you uh you know take that to its logical conclusion and think about it long enough it comes down to another principle of responsibility, which is not in the list. And that is that, you know, the way I see and view the world is I am 100% responsible for everything that happens, um, not just to me, not just to the people I know, but in the entire world. Do you take landmarks, Sam? <laughs> We're getting there, Mark. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I did something similar, and we've <laughs> talked about that before. I don't uh, remember. But the... Uh, take the Iraq war, for instance. I could, uh, a lot of people would say, you know, that's George Bush's fault, and uh, there's, uh, you know, there, there's nothing that that really has to do with me. I can't do anything about it. But that's, that's exactly the problem with it. Uh, with that perspective, possibility dies right there. Whereas if I believe I am 100% responsible for the war in Iraq, I can start looking at, okay, 
how do I contribute to that? Well, the car I drive uses oil. There's a lot of oil over there. I pay taxes to this oppressive government that goes around killing people. Uh, do I take every opportunity to educate other people on these same issues? So when I start looking at it from a, a, point, a point of view that I'm 100% responsible, there's possibility that exists. It's an important See point, that? though I have to say that, uh, I mean, there's only so many people that can really stop riding in their cars, and a lot of people have to go grocery shopping and that sort of thing in order to feed their families' mouths, so I don't know if that's But there's really... still things that you can do. And well, well, you could stop paying taxes, too, um, but then again, a lot of people are scared to death because they think the government's going to come throw them in a jail cell if they stop paying taxes. So they may want to stop funding the war, but the they issue, personally feel The, the uh, issue impotent. is happiness here, and if you take responsibility for, uh, say, the Iraq war, and you take steps to stop it... You are going to feel better about that. You're doing something. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, if and, you're and doing you're something, yeah. in the mindset yeah. of what is possible, what can I do to make a difference versus it's Bush's fault and, you know, possibility dies right there. I know you wanted to address the second one. Hold on, Sam. We'll get you back for that. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. Live and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll free number for you is 800 259 9231. toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800 259 You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we ask that you go and shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. And uh, Torco has actually done, he's back on the job with our uh, with our website which is nice he's done a few little tweaks that have been pretty cool i had made the amazon.freetalklive page a launch page where you choose which country you're in there's four there were four different flags there mm-hmm. and you click on the one that was most appropriate he's added some neat little piece of code that that uh, can detect what country you're browsing from hmm. so uh so when you go to the page when you go to amazon.freetalklive.com you're automatically routed to the correct amazon so if you live in canada it'll take you to where you need to be if you live in germany it'll take you to german uh, amazon if you live in the uk it'll take you to uk amazon and everybody else goes automatically to the USA Amazon. So um, takes out a step, makes it easier to get to where you want to go. Amazon.freetalklive.com. And by the way, when you go through that link, Free Talk Live gets a cut. We get a percentage of your purchase. You can buy anything and Free Talk Live benefits. Amazon.freetalklive.com. As we go back to Sam in Texas. Sam, with some more thoughts on this whole living positively thing. Uh, Go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah. Okay, uh, the second one was really focused on the present and what you want. Uh, Wayne Dyer does a really good analogy of this. I'm going to paraphrase, and it's uh, this: that the boat, or, or sorry, the wake that a boat makes traveling across the uh, lake, in no way determines the future direction that the boat's heading. So, talking so about the, how the past things that you've done have not nece- don't necessarily have an influence on where you can go in your life, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, they they certainly have an effect on the past and send ripples out that affect other people, but it in no way determines which way the boat's capable of heading in the future. But what we do as humans a lot is we tend to live life from the back of the boat where we're standing looking off the back at the wake going, oh, wow, I did you know all these things over here. And meanwhile, there's no telling where we're going in the future. Right. I am a summation of my accomplishments or lack thereof. Um, I am what is uh, an accrual of everything that's happened in my past. Look at all my failures. I'll never amount to anything. Or uh, all my successes, um, you know, that this must be the direction I have to go in life. 
You know, also people forget, too, that if you take a, a plane flight to Los Angeles from here, let's say, or anywhere, a majority of the time you're in the air, the plane is actually off course, and the pilot is constantly just tweaking it back on course. So that's how life is, too. A lot of times you're off course, and, and you just have to make some tweaks to get yourself back um, on course. But you have to know where you're going to be on course in the first place. That's right. So, once again, that goes back to the whole setting goals thing. Sam, any other thoughts? Yeah, you have to be really conscious of your language. A lot of, if you're using the word no, don't, you know, any kind of negative connotation like that, like I don't want to get pulled over by the police, your focus is on getting pulled over by the police, and mm-hmm. the universe is going to say yes because that's what it always says. So that's going to expand, and sure enough, you're going to get pulled over. That's right, or you're going to get tased by the police. <laughs> so be conscious, <laughs> be conscious of your thoughts, and every time you hear the word no, no or don't come out of your mouth, Think about how you can rephrase it, and it's hard to do. Can't's another one you should look for. Can't. That's also another yeah, one. So exactly. That's like a self-fulfilling prophecy right there. So when I travel, I, I want to travel uh, freely, incident-free, unobstructed, in a safe manner. There you go. But that, that's what it takes to get rid of that negative language. It, you, have to be, uh, you have to constantly be monitoring your thoughts. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that drives you up the wall or anything, but you need to be aware of what you're thinking and, and understand that it is important, mm. your mindset. Yeah, on the way here, I told myself a really funny joke in the car. It was great. Hey, you know what? I always what I like to do is uh, I like to smile sometimes. If uh, if I find myself feeling a little bit off, a little bit down, if it doesn't matter if you're by yourself or with other people, just put a big silly grin on your face and you'll start feeling better. It's it's almost a guarantee. Sam, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate the suggestions. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I was gonna say, you know, I, one time I was when I was really into cycling, I I was reading the cycling magazine, and one of the tips that this cycling racer gave was that when you see a hill, smile. Because something happens physiologically within you, and you'll be able to go up the hill faster. So I started trying it because you know when you're when you're cycling, even especially when you first get out there and you're not right in shape yet, mm-hmm. you see a hill and you're going, oh no, you know, right? <gasps> so I started doing that. I started smiling up the hill, and the hills I would just glide right no up problem. the hills like nothing. Hmm. It was amazing how much more uh, power I could tap into in my body just by changing that small physiological tweak there. There's so much that uh, that we just don't understand, even today, about the human experience and, and what we're doing and what's going on inside our minds. Little things like that can really surprise you. I mean, just these simple little tips, if you implement them, you will be surprised at what sort of changes can come out of it. Let's continue and talk to, uh, nope, Eric's gone, so let's talk to Eric in Vancouver. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah, what's on your mind? Uh, so... I know we like to joke around how useless the United Nations is, but I really didn't realize how useless it was till a few days ago. Do tell. So. Yeah. And this is because the United Nations is paying bureaucrats to sit on a committee for the decolonization of the world. According to the UN, we still have not decolonized the world. They're demanding that rich uh, bo- tropical islands like Bermuda and Turks and Caicos and the Falklands uh, should be re- I guess, their own independent country. So there are bureaucrats being paid to do this. That's how ridiculous it is. Right, as though Bermuda really has a big problem with uh, being a uh, British protectorate, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it's terrible. You know, thousands of rich tourists flood on the island every year. And And how do they define rich? Well, well, you know, Bermuda tax haven, like tourist resort. Well, they don't like tax havens either, those bureaucrats. Where's your your, uh, news source on this? Okay. Um, another thing I don't know if you guys have noticed is that the Canadian dollar is at par with the American dollar. Yep, thereabouts. Yeah. 
I went to America recently, so I was quite happy with that fact. But I kind of feel sorry for the Americans. But um, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles kind of when you've got a fin- when you've got a financial system that's based on lies and uh, deception. Inevitably, uh, unexpected things are going to happen like that. I'm curious, what's your source on the UN story where they want to do these things? Pardon? Yeah, what's your source on the UN story? Oh, oh, um, you can just type in Google UN decolonization. You'll get the official UN web page. Um, Sorry, I don't have it on me right now. I see. Well, yes, that's that's true. The United Nations is nothing more than a glorified bunch of bureaucrats. Uh, they're they're they they've got their uh, little health arm. I what's it? The World Health Organization. Once again, just another bunch of donut munching bureaucrats that uh, knows how best how you should run your life, and they're going to try to well, tell since you. Well, that World Health Organization, they're probably munching carrot sticks. Maybe so. Any other thoughts? Uh, sorry, uh, you're cracking up. I can't hear. I'm just going to hang up. That's so okay, because you're breathing into the phone. Thanks. <laughs> 800-259-9231. Let's continue. Uh, talk to Jarvis in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live, Jarvis. Uh, yeah, I did something today that uh, was on my goal list for quite a while. And what's that? Probably on a, I said I did something today that's been on my goal list for quite a while. Yes, and what is that? Uh, and I registered Republican. Ah. Uh, I feel very dirty about it, but I figured it was finally... (laughs) I do understand. I would feel the same way if I were in your position. Luckily, I live in New Hampshire, where that's not uh, a requirement in order to vote in primaries. But what... uh, Right, in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, I think it's uh, 30 days out or something like that. Mm. You can still Um, vote however you want. The thing I wanted to share was that it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. So if other people have that on their, you know, list of tasks... um, yeah, there's no real reason to put it off anymore. You just go online, and uh, it required my driver's license number, and print out a form and mail it in. It's very easy. Some places they want 90 days out, and we're already getting close to that. So if people do have this as something they want to get done in order to vote for Ron Paul in the primary, they really need to get it on uh, the hot sheet. It, this needs to happen within the next week or so in many states, because if you wait past, I think it's October 16th or thereabouts in some states, your time's going to be up, and you won't be able to uh, to participate in the primary. So if you are a Ron Paul supporter who does need to change his or her uh, political affiliation in their state, look into this within the next week's time. Uh, this is something that you should really act on. Jarvis, any other thoughts? I uh, know that's it. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Now, Mark, just before the show, you said something off the air that New Hampshire... <laughs> Was looking to change their voter situ- um, re- registration situation. Uh, I'm I'm getting some stuff out of uh, it's from the free market news. Um, apparently, there's there's some stuff floating around the internet out there that's saying that Republican Party is now requiring people to register Republican and or moving up registration dates in order to participate in the primaries, including New Hampshire. And then they give a date October 12th. It might be scare tactics, but I, I it doesn't seem like New Hampshire could do that. I thought that this was a state law. I thought that uh, whether or not you can vote based on what party you're in in the primary had to do with the law at the state level. So I I find it hard to believe the Republicans can just wave a magic wand and and make these changes. I suppose if the Republicans are in charge of the state house, then they could do that. Uh, But it seems a little vague, I guess. Well, here it is from the Free Market Network News. The GOP plot to defeat Ron Paul. Shall I uh, give you a little teaser here? It's not enough that seemingly every state that uh, can is desperately moving up, up primary contest dates as close to January 1st, 2008 as possible in the hopes of derailing the momentum that presidential candidate Ron Paul will derive from a good New Hampshire finish. More on the way. Hour number two is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. Mike in Wisconsin and your calls as well. An angry feminist will read some of her blog posts about Free Talk Live here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. 
Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. We're launching into hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Mark, uh, you were beginning to tell us something about the primaries across the country, the allegation is, according to the Free Market News Network, that they're changing the rules in order to shut out Ron Paul. Uh, apparently, that's what uh, the, the that's what the Free Market Network News says. Okay, um, now the GOP in many states has apparently taken to shutting down the possibility that independents or Democrats can vote for Ron Paul in the GOP primary. Mm. Such contests, and as a matter of fact, I, this is a an issue for me. My wife is a registered Democrat, and I'm a, um, registered undeclared. Right. My in, every other election here in New Hampshire, I've been able to go in and say I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat in order to vote in whatever uh, primary. Right. You walk there is. in and they hand you the appropriate uh, sheet of paper. Right. Depending on your claim. And um, you know, it looks like I might have to register Republican before October the 12th. Here. Wait, are you saying they're changing it in New Hampshire? That's 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 what uh, the the email said. So let's go on a little farther. Okay. Here. Um. Let's see. Such contests inviting a broad electoral spectrum have taken place in the past without controversy or interference. Why now? What's the hurry? Hmm. Is it all coincidence? And uh, Yeah, Ron Paul, he's only got like three Internet supporters. I don't know what they're so worried about. And they're spamming <laughs> everybody, too. So it's I'm, I'm hearing that... Uh, so there's no you... actual real hard evidence here. They're just claiming... I mean, Free Market News Network is a pretty reliable news source, but they're not linking to any stories. They're not linking to any, you know... Something tangible beyond just, well, this is what we hear is happening. I guess not. Hmm. There's also a reference to gambling911.com. There is. What's um, that mean? Well, apparently the, the it's gambling911, and it's uh, one of those sites where you can decide who's going to be the president and you can bet on it. Oh, okay. That's cool. And uh, apparently that they're they're saying that that's the case. Well, please keep uh, keep us up to date on that, Mark, if you hear anything else, because I'm sure a number of our listeners are somewhat concerned and would like to be advised as to what the best thing to do is. Oh, yes. You know, with with all this momentum behind Ron Paul, I think it's probably scaring the bejeebus out of out of the Republican establishment. So you can imagine, I, I'm not surprised to see any dirty tricks in this election to try to keep him out. So we're going to have Absolutely. to make sure we're on top of this stuff and that we're vigilant. We're going to the phones right now to talk to Mike in Wisconsin. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Uh, hi, guys. Um, I wanted to talk about um, a caller that called in yesterday um, to share a story about his sister that was uh, fell under uh, mental commitment law. That's um, correct. In Florida, it's called the correct. Baker Act. In other states, it's uh, called different things. Right. Um, I actually had that happen to me personally um, in Wisconsin. Um, really? My family, I've had some trouble uh, dealing with my parents in that. And uh, I moved out of the house about a year ago, and, uh, you know, they really wanted to keep control on my life and stuff. And... So basically, they called the cops on me and uh, had the cops put me in for 72 hours um, hmm. commitment, and that turned into a 30-day commitment. Oh dear. Um, and and you had a question about um, you know who gets put with the bill. Um, you know, a couple months later, I get a bill for seventy thousand dollars. Holy crap! 
So, a wait third, a minute, yeah. you didn't have the choice. They took you in right, for no. this 72-hour yeah. thing. Right. They analyzed you, did some tests on you. They didn't like your answers right. to the questions, and so they kept you in for 30 days and then billed you for it? Right. And Against your not, will. You couldn't just walk was, out the front door, right? Exactly. I was not suicidal. I was not uh, threatening violence against anybody else. Um, basically, I just I didn't want to do stuff with my parents. You know, I wanted to get independence. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're put in a situation like that where you're confined and you're locked up and you don't really understand why, you kind of start doing, you know, off-the-wall things or crazy things when you're, you know, forced against your will. I can see how and that so could that, be pretty frustrating, sure. Right, and so they, you know, they'll bring you before a judge and a doctor will call in into a courtroom and they'll say, yes, I think this person is mentally unstable and needs to stay in the hospital indefinitely. And so, anyways, I, signed, I had to, to get out of the hospital, I had to sign a six-month commitment where they would monitor... Um, me and see if I was going to doctor visits and taking, you know, a bunch of horse pills and things like that that they um, deem necessary, I guess. And that ended. But um, throughout this whole thing, though, I I get statements from the from the hospital. They're going to turn me over to collection agency if they don't receive oh, payment. No. And it's it's really ridiculous. It's like I was put in there and forced against my will, but I'm stuck with the bill. Have so you called the government? Them? Doesn't what's that? Have you called the hospital and said, hey, look? Um, I was sent by court order. You can't charge me. Right. I, you know, it's it's come to a point where it's like it was such a terrible point in my life where I've just um, you're trying not to face it. To go, yeah, I just don't even try to even deal with the hospital anymore. But well, I suggest you do. To, yeah. But, uh, have you um, have you done what he's suggesting and and actually called the hospital? No. Well, it wouldn't hurt, man. I mean, it never hurts to uh, to, to ask and to, to to talk to somebody about this. Yeah, I understand why you wouldn't want to talk to, um, talk to them. I totally get that, but it looks like it's going to already. They've caused you a lot of trouble in your life. They're going to cause you more in the uh, area of your credit if you don't um, talk to them. So you know, you're gonna yeah. you, you need to talk to them. It sounds some it sounds to me like something's very wrong there. Oh yeah, that's the, but that's what happens though. I mean, um, you know, I didn't voluntarily go in there or anything, but I was forced. I could not physically leave hmm. legally, but yet I'm stuck with uh, a bill. I don't think they can legally give there. you that bill. I don't think they can imprison you someplace and then charge you for I talked it. To, and I talked to my uh, family about this afterwards, and they thought, well, we thought if we got the cops involved, you wouldn't be stuck with any bill. I'm sure they did think that, and that sounds like a fair assumption. Um, yeah, a lot of people right. think that calling the cops is going to help their situation, and it usually turns out that the complete opposite happens. But, hey, good luck. Let us know what happens if you call the hospital, and uh, maybe they'll, who knows, maybe they'll just make it go away. I wouldn't count on it, but it never hurts to ask. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Yeah. Let's go and talk to Matt in Illinois on the Amplifier line. Hello, Matt. Good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind? Oh, well, actually, Mark covered it pretty well. I was just going to tell you um, that you'd better check your your laws because I heard that they were changing the uh, the way that the primary was run in New Hampshire and you had to register by the 12th. I'll have to make a note then to uh, contact the, the Department of Elections or the city clerk around here and see if they know anything about this. Mm -hmm. I don't see how they can do it, but... I don't know how they can do it either. It sounded fishy to me too, but on the other hand... Um, you know, politics, it's, it is full of dirty tricks. Oh, yeah, totally. It would really stink to get to uh, the primary in January saying, I'm going to vote for Ron Paul. I'm undeclared. Can I have the Republican ballot, please? Sorry, you have to be re registered Republican. But every one of the other, yeah. sorry, this one you have to be registered Republican. And, you know, when, when you're dealing with those little old ladies, all they know is the rules, mm -hmm. and they're going to follow the rules, and there's just nothing you can do but get loud and angry. 
Then you get tased. Yeah. <laughs> then, and then they're going to tase you, bro. <laughs> and even if you, even if you, I'm sorry, even if they manage to do that, um, I still think there's a lot of Republicans that would vote for Ron Paul. That I hope happen. so, but it is definitely going to take a hit. Ron Paul's results are definitely going to take a hit by this, if if yeah. this indeed is true. Because uh, yeah, there's a lot of independents and even Democrats who had planned on voting for him in the primaries. Yeah. Well, I I heard that is one re- that is that is one supporter on the internet. You know, was uh, was running a turbocharged an old turbocharged Atari 800 computer, and that's how he was doing ours. <laughs> Thanks for the call, dude. We now, appreciate it. I don't think here in New Hampshire that a Democrat could vote in the Republican primary. If you're a registered Democrat, I don't believe that you can vote in the Republican primary. Um, be, you know, or if you're undeclared and you don't say on the way out, I'd like to be re-registered undeclared, you're going to be, you know, whatever it was that whatever primary it was that you mm-hmm. voted in. And I, so I mean, it, it it's a good thing to check either way. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line for you. Uh, so as you know, I have these little searches that run on the internet. I've yes. got a Technorati search that searches for Free Talk Live. Excellent. I've got a Google Alerts search that searches for Free Talk Live, just because it's kind of neat to know if people are saying things about your show and right. uh, and what they're saying. And so these searches end up uncovering blog posts from around the internet that are posted about us. And one of them is a blog entitled Atheistic Libertarian Feminism. And uh, let's see, the blogger claims to be a feminist. Her online name is Montana Wildhack, and she is very, very upset. She says, Free Talk Live is a radio show and podcast hosted by Ian, an atheist and libertarian. I've been an occasional listener to their show for several years, being an atheist and libertarian, and have always found Ian to be, if not blatantly anti-feminist, not feminist either. Small things such as their shrine of female listeners is like a girl's gone political rather than wild. And she'll continue uh, attempting to tear apart Free Talk Live. We'll respond and uh, have a good time. Take your calls as well. 800-259-9231. More from the angry feminist here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, including the updates. Get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, so, also, you need to know that uh, Savvy Rest mattresses are good stuff. We sleep on them, Mark and myself. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, your mattress was probably manufactured, at least if it's, uh, if it's not a Savvy Rest, probably manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. And does that bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. And Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try the crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. It's the nicest mattress I've ever owned. I've had a Tempur-Pedic and a Savvy Rest, mm-hmm. and uh, they're head-to-head, head yeah. uh, except, except the Savvy Rest doesn't have the chemicals that the Tempur-Pedic does, so right. it's just a, a more natural solution, and it's just as good, in my opinion. Uh, and that's what they're competing with. They're really trying to take... Because Tempur-Pedic's been around for a long time. They're trying to take away some of their market share. Well, and, uh, yeah, um, t- the latex mattresses have been around even longer, though. Really? Yeah, every you know, latex mattresses used to be the big um used to be a, a sort of a big thing in the 70s mm. and uh for whatever reason they you know fell off to some extent. Waterbeds. Waterbeds. 
Yeah, waterbeds probably you know took the uh, the niche mattress mar- market. And oh, this is this. You used to have a waterbed. You'd never go back, right? I you know I thought the waterbed had the waterbed was nice if I were to sleep on it by myself. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I enjoyed that and everything, but. Uh, you know, sleeping on a, a mattress with someone, yeah, but it's much nicer to have the uh, latex, latex mattress. So we have a blog post here by a self-proclaimed feminist who's very upset with Free Talk Live. Uh, she says that uh, she she claims to be an atheist and libertarian, and uh, she says she's been listening to Free Talk Live off and on throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently heard something that upset her quite a bit. She says that uh, she's always found me, Ian, to be, not, if not blatantly anti-feminist, not feminist either. Now, I'd like to say before we continue, I don't really even know what feminist means. It's like, that's one of those words that's in the category of liberal, conservative, and anarchist. Right. I mean, uh, what does it mean to be a feminist? Uh, I love women. Um, feminist is, uh, you know, it, it could mean something like, I enjoy being a woman, and I'm proud of that I'm a woman. Sure, or it can mean I want the government to pass laws to make women on the same level as men. Or uh, more powerful because they've been right. uh, you know, beneath men for so long. Reparations, that sort of that, thing. That kind of nonsense. So it could be yes. anywhere. Yeah. Or it could be downright man-hating. She says uh, small things such as their shrine of female listeners is like a girl's gone political rather than wild. Free Talk Live has marginalized females in every way, giving the few that they have special attention, indicating they're not prevalent as radio listeners or liberty-minded individuals, and are always surprised. <laughs> I would say that that's true. Well, you know, um, it's not true that they're not necessarily radio listeners, but they're FM radio listeners. Um, just the statistics are right. that women aren't interested in the AM band, and the, and most of our radio affiliates are on the AM band. So it's just not. I mean, women are more likely to listen to talk radio if it appears on FM. Unfortunately, there just aren't enough FM news talk affiliates out and there. And uh, podcasting, uh, which is someplace that uh, Free Talk Live has had you know had preeminence. Uh, you know, when you look at our podcasting numbers. You see that uh, male 18 to 34, 18 to 44, 18 to 34, 18 to 44 mm-hmm. are huge numbers. When you compare them to um, the females in that category, it's, five, you know, tw- no, like 20%. A fifth. We've got about yeah, a fifth. Yeah, yeah, 20% of that number. Um, so that's just the reality. It's not that they're not out there. It's not that they aren't looking for uh, for audio content. It's just that they aren't necessarily looking here or on the radio waves where our show happens to be. Just a reality of the world of talk radio. It's nothing against. Yeah, I don't women. know what the FM talkers like uh, Real Radio 104.1 and um, Orlando. That was a, a big one. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their numbers are, male to female. But I've always heard that uh, talk radio is a male-driven format, and uh, largely political talk radio is a male-driven format. We talk about a lot of politics on this show, not all, but a lot. It's true, and uh, I'd they, agree with her that uh, you you have some funny ideas about women. But what do so, you mean by that? I just think you do funny ideas about women. Yeah, I don't like, understand. Women are gold diggers. That's a little. I've never said that. You, I, you've I've certainly alluded to some ideas like that before. Cheerleaders are dumb. Um, <laughs> you know, you've you've said things that, uh, that well, really okay. sound like those statements. There are some. Look, and this is going to be something. Gold this is going to be something that some you're going to see. Are dumb. You're going to see reflected in her blog post mm-hmm. is that she's going to act like we think all women are the same. When of course that's absurd. We make generalizations on this show about a lot of things. Um, so and generalizations can be painful to uh, somebody who's in that category. It is right. not true about, but generalizations, a lot of times are generally true. I think they're guys that are gold diggers too. I mean, you know, oh, if yeah. you've got a chance to dig gold, it does. I don't think it'll matter if you're a guy or a girl. You're going to a lot of people will go ahead and jump on that opportunity. I don't know that I don't know that they will or won't. Um, you but know, you, I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity and haven't done it. But if somebody attacks me in a bar, I'd rather have a guy to help me than a woman in most cases, wouldn't you? 
I mean, men and women are, are good at different things in many but ways. But I, I know a firefighter named Debbie that I would like to have on my side. Yeah, that's an exception. <laughs> well, but once again, you're mentioning exceptions, Mark. Right, yeah. Just because you wouldn't dig for role. gold doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of other people that would. Yeah, I, w- I was listening to a story today on, on combat, women in combat. And one of, the, one of the big objections of women in combat, and this was according to a, a woman who advocated um, keeping women out of combat. Actually, she was saying that, that if, you, if you're in a bad situation, let's say that one of your, your, your uh, soldiers next, right next to you gets injured, if, you, if you're a male, a big male, and you've got a woman next to you, she can't carry you out of the battlefield. She can't carry you out of there. So uh, that, that's, that's the problem. Well, we should also eliminate skinny guys, then, from combat as well. Because <laughs> well, well, I can't yeah, carry Another thing either. about women in combat is uh, men have a tendency to naturally want to protect women. Not, maybe not naturally. Yeah. Um, have a sociological tendency to protect women. And therefore, having a woman on the battlefield, um, a guy could do something more well, dangerous. Well, once again, Mark, I mean, so. if you want to start um, naming exceptions to rules, then uh, you could also point out that there are a lot of, a lot of men or women hating men that would just as soon kick dirt in the face of a dying uh, female comrade because he hates women. Could quite so, possibly. I mean, we, can just, we could sit here all night and go back and forth on, well, here's how it is. Well, here's some exceptions to that rule. Okay, let's well, you, move on with that in mind. You know what I was going to say about this, Ian, is, is that the dictionary says the, uh, feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of political, social, and economic equality to men. Now, I don't have a problem with that. Do you? No, I think that uh, I think that everybody should be on an even playing field and uh, succeed or succeed and fail based on their merits, not the gender. Uh, right, and I think that have. largely women have, um, you know, have equality on an economic scale. They can own property, and the, they have all the economic rights that a man does. They have all the political rights that a man does. And and from a soci- societal standpoint, I don't think we should be involved in it. I don't think that there should be laws to say that women must be treated equally in the workplace. Women must be, and, and as a libertarian, I'm sure that the uh, the the blogger there would. Would agree. I don't know. I'm not going to put any words in her mouth at all. I, I understand, but a libertarian would not want to see laws passed um, that would That's require uh, you know women to be treated equally in the workplace any more than they'd want um, laws passed you know for anybody to get equality because really what the issue is is freedom to associate with whom you wish. That's correct, and be punished by the marketplace if you make bad choices. Mm-hmm. And the be, market doesn't and be like. free to hire whoever you wish based on the risks that you associate with hiring that person. So uh, she continues her attack. She says, I'm sure if they were racist, which they are not, they would have uh, would have problems finding calm minorities willing to listen to their viewpoints. Could you imagine a radio show that advertises taking Asian callers before Caucasian callers? This is exactly how Free Talk Live treats women as minorities. Uh, Okay. They are minorities it certainly is on a, our airwaves. Right. It certainly is a negative viewpoint to suggest that because we give women priority on the phones, that that's somehow being uh, condescending towards women. Or That's sort of the, the, the feminist, feminist standpoint. Don't hold the door for me. Don't do anything nice for me just because of my gender. Right. Well, you know, the fact is uh, people that are on hold, the longer they're on hold, are less likely to stay on hold. And we can talk about the way radio works here in a moment, and uh, we'll continue her critique. And take your calls. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And and Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) I threw him a curve there. You did. (laughs) 
Okay, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free. Bulletin board system, over a quarter of a million posts. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And today's businesses, banks, healthcare providers, landlords, utilities, and educational institutions are plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who failed to pay their bills. You might believe this debt only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people don't pay their bills, all consumers pay the penalties, which are manifest through increased prices everywhere. So if you have or know of any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-obligation, no-cost proposal. Can't lose on that one. Yeah. SACL CAI. We repos- uh, re- reposition companies to do zero in, to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. In the middle of a blog post from a self-proclaimed feminist who's very upset at Free Talk Live for uh, taking a phone call, apparently, from a lady that was last week in I think California. I agreeing with the phone call. Right. And uh, we'll get into uh, to her critiques about that phone call. But first, she does say that uh, – she, she first, she starts out by critiquing the Shrine of Female listeners, which, if you've listened to the show, you know is a page on our website where we um, have photographs sent in by some of our lady listeners, ladies of all ages, uh, shapes and sizes, uh, are represented there. And they are proving that they listen to the show. So usually in the picture, they hold up a sign that says Free Talk Live or Mark or Ian or something like that on it. And that way that, that way we know that they are really who they claim to be and that we're not being duped by somebody who's just made a fake picture on the Internet or something. And, you know, I see that more as a business uh, uh, decision on your part because you're trying to expand your demographic. Oh, it's it, marketing from the standpoint that it's probably the most visited page on the um, on the website, not including like BBS and and the Wiki. Right on the actual of, site. On the actual yes. site, it's the most visited page. I wonder who's visiting. Probably men. Uh, most of our uh, demographic is male, and you know they're gonna uh, boys want to see girls. Does that mean we're um, using and abusing women in order to uh, pander to our male demographic? No more than uh, in that particular arena. No more than any than say Hooters does uh, by having female waitresses, or a business owner does that hires an attractive clerk. It's good business. I wonder what uh, this blogger would think about a business like Hooters. I mean, those women are working there on a voluntary basis. Um, you could make the argument they're exploiting their the sexuality. The blogger didn't say anything about um, voluntary or involuntary. Obviously, she wouldn't. Well, she does claim to be a libertarian. So uh, right. so she says, could you imagine a radio show that advertises taking Asian callers before Caucasian callers? This is exactly how Free Talk Live treats women as minorities. And as you pointed out, demographically, they are a minority as far as our listenership is concerned. Right. And in addition, because women um, – because men want to listen to what women have to say – I mean, we're still trying to figure you, figure you ladies out for the <laughs> most part uh, – but we are very interested in hearing their voices. Uh, a female voice is a far more attractive a thing, I think, to a male than a than a than a male voice is. And it's just, in my opinion, it's it's good to have female callers on a talk radio and show. You have to have a unique selling proposition when you have a business. Free Talk Live is a business. It needs a unique selling proposition. Um, among, you know, it's among not that them, unique. We stole it from the Love Doctors. Among them is the uh, well, not the call, girl callers go first, yes. part, do we? Fine. Yeah, rip that right off. Rip that right off from uh, Doctor Glenn and they're uh, in a single market down in Doctor Rich. Yeah, and we're not in that market. And we don't have yeah, we, we don't have uh, videos of girls jumping on trampolines on the website either. No, we don't. We don't have the babe of the day. We don't have any of that sort of pandering style um, 
appeal to your standard male demographic. So, um, you know, the women that are on the shrine aren't encouraged to take their clothes off. Some of them have decided they want to do that. That's their prerogative. We did not encourage it. Uh, Nonetheless, the phone policy has to do with how I want to construct this radio show. The fact is, if if we have a massively male audience, and we do on Free Talk Live, that means that the majority, the vast majority of callers to the show are also going to be male. And if we want people to know that women are listening to the show, and we want people to know that we value women's opinions, because I do, it's, you know, who wants to hear a bunch of dudes talking on the radio when you could hear a a lady from time to time? I like what women have to say. I want to hear what they have to say. And I know that if I keep them on hold based on how, you know, okay, well, you'll get on depending on the order that you called in. uh, That's just a bad way to run the radio show, because most of those women are going to drop off. A lot of the ladies that call in, They've got families. They've probably got kids that that are demanding attention. There's things going on. Many of our callers are busy, both male and women, and we lose a lot of calls uh, on a busy night where there are a lot of calls on the line, and we're taking calls. Even if we go through as quick as possible, there are some people that will just drop off after five minutes of being on hold. And I don't want to lose women callers to a hold time and make it and have a whole show where we could have taken three female calls, all three calls that we got in one evening, and at least had some female voices on the air, versus a show where none of that happened because I wanted to be fair and allow the men to call in equally with the women. I mean, you're upset because I have pre- I give women preferential treatment? Why is that upsetting to you? Well, I'm giving women an opportunity to get on an, on the air on a show that is dominated by male callers. You know, because it's it's an arena that she doesn't want to, um, you know, compete in. She doesn't want it. Uh, to, she, she wants women to be completely equal. But the fact is that the genders interact you differently. Are, well, well, you are equal. You're still a, a female versus a male. You're a human being. You're equal on that basis. It's just that my set of rules for how I want to run my radio show treats she wants you a them, little differently. She wants them to be fair and equal in that particular arena. She wants to control how you think about women and how you treat women. That doesn't seem right. It no. sounds fascist. Oh, no, Mark. <laughs> Which is exactly what that lady <laughs> said. Yeah, she wants to control the way you think. Yeah, you know, I, I heard that call last week. I just happened to catch the very end of last Thursday's mm-hmm. show, and it, it blew my mind what she was saying. It was an amazing call. Yeah, it was. It was. I, you know, I, I, I didn't have anything to say against it. I do think that uh, if if not the pivotal moment in U.S. history, part of the um, the, the the road to socialism had to do with um, you know the the whole women's equality movement. Am I saying that women's equality is bad? No, I I would not take the vote away from women. Are we saying that women uh, did all this? No, it was men, white men, that were in charge of the governments. I mean, and then still are for the most part. Governments are ruled. By by white men. So it's not like the women got elected and did these things, but the, um, there were certain vocal um, women that wanted changes and they wanted government programs and that sort of thing. Does that mean all women agreed with those women? Of course not. Well, politicians, Can we suggest that? If we did, I apologize. are chameleons that will do what it takes to be in power. If it took, um, you know, like it did in uh, Macedonia at one time, stabbing the uh, the leader in the back and killing him in order to get um, the the leadership position, they'd do that. Mm-hmm. If it takes pandering to a female vote um, by offering social safety nets and uh, 
th- those kind of things, they'll do that. And think about that. I mean, there are more women in this country than there are men, and um, that's just a it's a sensible thing to do as a politician who wants to get elected is to pander. Whether you're pandering for the black vote or the female vote or the the you know white male vote or whatever, politicians pander. That's what they do best. You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking with a female client of mine who's pretty much pretty libertarian leaning. And she says, oh, I'm going to vote for Hillary because uh, I want to see a woman become president. And I said, well, wait, wait, Uh, I'd love to see a woman become president. I'd love to see a a black person become president or or, I don't really care what sex or religion or or what they are. What I care about is what they stand for. Do they stand for liberty? Right. And And you see, that's not an issue of equality. That's an issue of inequality. I'm going to vote for them because of their gender. Right. Thoughtless. 800-259-9231 to Dave in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave. You're on Free Talk Live. Dave, Montana. Hey, Dave. Hello. Hello. What's, Long live Free Talk. What's on your mind, Dave? <laughs> right. Hey, uh, these feminists have really nothing to complain about until they address the major problem of their whole foundation they stand on, and that's the exploitation of the female body in the marketing industry. They don't say nothing about it because women makes thousands and millions of dollars. Well, some really don't. There like are it. some feminists that are very upset about pornography. They believe it's a. But they uh, don't. Abusive. You don't hear them. You hear them talking about stupid stuff like about getting on a radio show where a guy's treating girls nice because they're women and that's the way we're raised. And they ain't gonna change that, man, because they're trying to change the basic family structure of, you know. Mother, father, parents, and Dave, thanks for the call. We appreciate it as always. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll free at 800 259 9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are for free. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we invite you to go and shop with us at store.freetalklive.com. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise. Everything from a variety of Free Talk Live hats uh, to T-shirts to hoodies and more, including uh, DVD Classic Archive collector sets and even other items that don't even have our logo on them. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and uh, pick up a free bumper sticker while you're there. Store.freetalklive.com. In the middle of a blog post from an angry listener uh, who claims to be a libertarian and an atheist, and so those are some of the reasons why she listens to the show, because I am also someone who claims to be a libertarian and atheist. Uh, She heard something last week that she uh, vehemently disagreed with and has since posted on her blog, which is uh, at uh, Blogspot. Wild Hack Montana is the name of the blog. She is complaining uh, about our position, or more specifically about the fact that we agreed with the position of a caller last week. She says, Free Talk Live has gained new heights of misogyny with a recent (laughs) attack on feminism touted by a caller, a 60-year-old woman named Krishna, supported by Mark, a Free Talk Live co-host, and eventually accepted by Ian himself. In an episode aired... As though Ian himself, as though Ian is, is all of Free Talk Live. Look! 
I'm here every night of the week. When I side with uh, some lady who has anti-feminist views, it's just as damn important when Ian does. And Krishna argued that women were by nature fascist, controlling the lives of those around them, not limited to their family for dominance-seeking. She says, although I'm willing to agree that some women are socialized to accept very limited social encounters, hence force, constraints on those who choose to interact with them, this generalization seems to be limited to the set of women that the caller personally knows in a wealthy section of California. The people she claims... How can one's opinions be, lim- be not limited to the people that they know? Sure. And I don't think I ever came out on the air and said, yes, women are fascists. Uh, I never I never made that statement, and I don't believe that to be true. I believe – I don't think that – I mean, fascism is like a political uh, situation involving corporations and uh, the government working together to control people. So I'm not sure how that word actually applies to women. But when we fleshed out the discussion with Krishna, we were talking more about women's nature, their nurturing nature, the, the, you know, the fact that they want to protect. And, and control. And, right. Well, that's uh, what those are the terminology that she used, and it, uh, that's what protecting is, Ian. Right. Protecting is controlling every single time. I, I think you either controls um, you're either controlling someone else in order to protect your, uh, your you and your loved ones, or you're controlling them in order to protect them. Right. I, th- I think a better word than fascist uh, would probably the word she probably should have used instead was authoritarian. Some women can yes, be authoritarian, be especially yeah. in their own homes. My wife is a complete authoritarian. That's why we, we he, she and I, if we clash about anything, it's about that. And, and and again, there are plenty of male authoritarians out there as well. So I don't want to make it sound like we only think women have this trait. And not and we don't believe that all women have this trait necessarily either. But it seems to be that be, uh, that based on the experiences that we've had and, you know, some of the scientific data that's out there just about the, you know, the nature of women, that they, they just have a more nurturing nature. They want to protect their loved ones. And... Uh, and so it, it just seems to make sense that they that many women would see the state as a mechanism to uh, to assist and aid them with that protection. Yeah. Uh, they like the concept of a of a safety net. You know, that's that's a sexy sounding concept to a woman that's very concerned about her, the the well being of her family. It's not because they're evil and necessarily want to control everyone. It's just because they want to feel you know protected and safe. Right. Security um, is a big important thing with women. And that's what they look at in men. When when a lot of women, it's been said that when they look for a husband, they're looking for security. That's correct. And I don't know that it's correct or not. I mean, you know, some are looking well, for all it, kinds of things. Well, but, no, yeah. okay. Here we are talking about the. You're, you're keep bringing up the exceptions, Mark, and and that's a good thing to do. I don't know that that's even a rule. I'm not willing to say that's a rule. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm with Wayne on this one. I've certainly seen some uh, some studies on the. Uh, I you think know, women probably reported. want stable stable men, um, and yeah. that's that's a level of security. I'm willing sure. to go for that. I don't know what security can mean. A lot of different things um, depending on the arena. So I, I don't know. And even getting back to your so-called gold digging uh, accusations, that but to some women, a, a wealthy man is security. Mm-hmm. So right. there's nothing wrong with wanting somebody who's wealthy. But if you're going to do that, at least find a wealthy man that you love. Sure. It, it it doesn't matter whatever their reasons are for um you know wanting to be in the relationship as long as they're clear and upfront about them. That's right. So again, I don't want to make it sound like we're painting all women with the same brush. We know there are exceptions. Okay, we know that there are far more independent women that are out there. I, I, this blogger is one of them. She obviously is very independent, obviously has broken out of the traditional roles of women. And I'm not saying that women should have a traditional role. I don't think women belong in the kitchen or anything like that. I think women should do what they want in life. But to ignore a uh, to ignore the reality that there are a significant number of women that are looking for security, that are looking for safety, that are looking for those things that we're talking about is silly. 
And for us to not address those issues and not talk about them or pretend they don't exist seems a little... It's disingenuous, and they have the expectation that we will. It's just not fair. And, 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 you know, something I noticed with my wife, that after we had kids... She became, she changed. She actually, be, she became fiercely protective. And a lot of the decisions, a lot of her whole attitude changed because it was, her, her life became centered around protecting these little bear cubs as opposed to other interests that she had before that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's perfectly natural, but that's what separates men from women. Uh, we're different. We can't deny that. So to say that these, that these two sexes are equal is, is really disingenuous, and I think it's unrealistic. Being different isn't a bad thing. It's right. just acknowledging reality. As long as you respect the other group, you know, and, and give them equal rights and, and don't expect uh, to subjugate them, then, then I think that it's okay to be different. Let me continue here. She says, uh, and, and there's, this blog post is so long, I'll, I'll link to it on our uh, BBS, but we can only take excerpts. Uh, she says later on, in the episode in, last week, in regards to converting women to libertarianism, Ian indicates to change the sales pitch for the women toward caring, as if an ethic of caring was the whole of feminism. Look, I wasn't addressing feminism. Right. I was talking about a, a, a way that but you this need could to be an issue. This could be an issue of the term feminism. We really don't even know what it means. Right, yeah, I'm not sure... What what that's all about, and I'm not sure why Mark or whoever that it's is. It's not me. Wayne, would you close your laptop there? Mm. A little distracting, that music. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, so anyway, she says that uh, she says that we changed the sales pitch towards women for uh, towards caring, as if an ethic of caring was the whole of feminism. And I, I wasn't commenting on feminism. I was commenting on the most effective ways to bring. Uh, females into the libertarian movement. And of course you should look at the lady you're dealing with before you make a decision to take a caring sort of a sales pitch. If you're dealing with a, a, a woman like, well, what we're reading this article from, who obviously is completely breaking out of the norms of, uh, of womanhood, then you, you should really custom, uh, customize your message to someone like that. But if you are talking to a woman who is all about uh, caring and helping people and protecting and a safety net... We were addressing those women specifically when right. we were talking and about the caller, that. The caller um, originally, Krishna, had talked about the nanny state. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do you suppose they call it the nanny state instead of the daddy state? Well, because they, they're trying to take care of people well, from they're, cradle they're, to grave. They're putting a gender bias on it. I mean, there's some kind of legitimate gender bias that uh, is in play there. Yeah, they're, but they're feminizing the state is what they're doing. That's true. Um, so she goes on and she says, uh, apparently ignorant of the main concepts of feminism, his argument of giving to charity versus government coercion in the form of taxes for welfare is one I've on often I've I have long held. Yet I couldn't help feeling as if he were talking down to me as he attempted to instruct his salesman on how to persuade me to buy a lemon of a car. Libertarianism is a proud idea. I feel he's sullied with his showroom attempts of dumbing it down for women. That's not dumbing it down. When you're trying to sell a concept to someone, you have to sell the benefits. When you're selling a product or an idea, you have to sell the benefits. And if the person you're selling to values safety, they value taking care of people, they value a safety net, that sort of thing, then you have to show them how liberty can give them what they want more effectively than government can. That applies across the board. If people want money more than anything else, you need to show them how liberty can make them far wealthier than the government system. So this is not a matter of uh, pandering or talking down. It's a matter of customizing a sales pitch. And whether you like it or not, Ms. Wildhack, we are selling liberty 
to all sorts of different organizations. Should we have the same sales pitch for every single individual in the world because that's the way it should be, that everybody should be given the same sales pitch regardless of their circumstance, regardless of their gender, regardless of their, uh, their, uh, their situation in life? That would be silly. That would be absurd. It's like you know walking into a, a convention of black people and talking, uh, talking about points that are only going to really resonate with people that don't live in the ghetto. Uh, and I'm not suggesting, again, not suggesting all black people live in the ghetto or maybe, anything like maybe that. Maybe 20%. But the fact is that you have to customize your message. And there are a lot of really great points that we can make that will help black people understand why liberty is more beneficial than this current situation with the state. Look at Ron Paul when he went to that black voters debate. He brought out the war on drugs at least twice while he was there. Brilliant move. Because black people's lives are adversely affected far worse than white people because of the war on drugs. It's their brothers and sisters that are getting put in the in jail cells far more often than white people. Should we should we just not address that because we want to be sensitive to them? I mean, what are you talking about? More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. Hour three is coming up. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp. FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. Then again, FreeTalkLive.com. Start things out by going right to the phone calls and talk to Dave, uh, Dave in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live, Dave. Um, yeah, hi. Hey. I, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, mental health care in Wisconsin. Sure. Because uh, you had a caller earlier, and I also went through that situation a few years ago. Where somebody uh, in the government decided that you needed to spend 72 hours in a mental ward uh, against your, uh, involuntarily. Uh, the guy that yeah. called in last hour said he spent the 72 hours there, and then somebody decided they needed to spend, uh, that he needed to spend another month there. Afterwards, they slapped him with a $70,000 bill. All of, these, all of these for services that he didn't ask for, he didn't want, and uh, it's just an outrageous situation. What was your story? Um, well, I was going through a divorce, and in you know, custody, you know, you, you kind of get um, a bitter ex-wife who wants to try and get leverage, and so she just makes a call to the police. Oh, I, I think my ex-husband might kill himself or something. Hmm. And um, so they, they come and they uh, they arrest you. Uh, I don't know if it's called arrest. They put the handcuffs on, and but they force you to ride in an ambulance with the handcuffs on mm-hmm. and pay for that. And then you get to there, and you have the 72-hour hold, which does not count if you're over there on a weekend. So you could really spend five days there without seeing a judge or anything. Where did they take you to? Uh, In Florida, they're supposed to take you to the Department of Children and Families uh, receiving locations. Where were you taken to? Uh, They take you to a private hospital, but the hospital pays the police to have them take to their hospital. Hmm. Okay. Um. You know, they have, uh, like, there's some different wards, but they have one they always take you to unless you insist on going to a different one. But anyway, so they take you there, and uh, I actually had a very uh, horrible experience because if, if you start to argue or disagree with them, they have uh, this uh, four-point restraint bed where mm-hmm. they, uh, they strap your arms and legs to it so you're unable to move. Oh boy. And they left me there for nine hours, and I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom or eat or anything like that. Wow. 
You know, for, forgive me for reading into this too much, but, you know, I remember reading about the Soviet Union and other oppressive regimes, and what they would do is a lot of the political dissidents, it was very common for them to declare these people mentally incompetent and put them away just like that. So my question sure. is, is this a sign of things to come, and will this encroach further on us? That's a great question. Well, I'll tell you, that experience is what made me become a libertarian. I bet. Uh, so sure. you were strapped down for nine hours, and then what happened? Uh, and then they uh, they came and they uh, put handcuffs on me and they took me to a different facility. Um, and and they uh, and then you finally have a court hearing, uh, which were they uh, asking you? Real... Hold on a second before you go on. Were they asking you any questions or interviewing you or trying to assess uh, you during this time before court? When you first get there, they'll they spent about a half hour asking me questions and writing down answers. And then every day after that, they'll talk to you for like two minutes with the doctor. And then uh, the rest of the day, it's uh, they just do kind of a, a complete charade. They do things like they uh, they put you in what they call group therapy, and mm-hmm. they have some sort of counselor, and and they'll talk about uh, completely irrelevant things. Hmm. Um, like they'll go in there and they'll talk about how you can handle anger, for example. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those situations where, unless if you have an IQ over 80, you already know these things just from living life. Mm. Um, so then you went but, to in front of a judge, and then what happened? Uh, I went in front of a judge, and uh, the doctor said, "Oh yeah, we need to hold on to him." And uh, yeah, I had my uh, my mother and my grandmother was there. They explained the situation. I said, "Look, I've never caused anyone." trouble before i've never never had any uh encounters with government before mm-hmm. um but that doesn't matter so they sent me for uh, two weeks in the uh hospital it's a cooler yep they throw you in there so was it was and, it the same treatment for the next two weeks uh yeah and uh it, everything else is very demeaning if you dare complain about the situation they, they insist that everything that's happening is all your fault and nothing is their fault and all that sort of thing hmm. and uh then they uh send you to another hearing after two weeks, and they have uh, two doctors who are supposedly there to be the oversight, and one's a psychologist, one's a psychologist, and they read the doctor's report. They'll talk to you for five minutes, and then they'll write their report, and I truly believe it's completely irrelevant, whatever I say, as long as it's not too kooky, what I say, they'll just say whatever they want, Mm -hmm. and uh, then you go to the hearing, they say, they uh, pretend like it's a hearing, but... uh, they say, okay, well, now you're going to have a six-month outpatient commitment, and you have to take whatever drugs we prescribe to you. And oh, no. All this. Well, I didn't take them. They don't. <laughs> do you feel any I'm, temptation to goof on them? What do you mean? Uh, no. <laughs> you don't. No, because mm. at that point, I didn't own firearms. <laughs> when you say goof on them, do you mean act crazy or something? Or no, what? just kind mean? of play with them a little bit, tweak them a little bit when they're, when they're talking with you. Yeah, I... You're pretty scared when that stuff's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's what you are. You're at their mercy. If I had mercy. the comfort of being armed, I, I might have been let my mouth fly and feel well, more safe and confident. I would it. say that the best advice is not to goof on them at all, and uh, being armed isn't going to be any advantage there. So you you went to this two-week, uh, after the two weeks of sitting around in this hospital and going to group sessions and uh, you know puttering around and wasting your time, uh, basically as a prisoner to the facility, then um, then you went back in front of a judge, and what happened then? Uh, yeah, they just had the two uh, doctors, the psychologist and the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. said, you know, oh, yeah, you should be on a six-month commitment, and uh, and the judge agreed, and 
And the whole thing was just based on the accusation of another person. That's all the evidence they need because I guess it's, I don't, you don't need such a high burden of proof, but I had to pay the hospital bills. Outrageous. Wait, yeah. what, were the, what were the bills they slapped you with? Well, they come in chunks because I guess the hospital isn't organized. So first they sent me a $600 bill for the ambulance, and then about three months later one showed up for the services I got in the emergency room before they sent me up to the uh, psych ward, and then I got a bill for from the facility. And then one this is the a racket. This is yeah, a racket is. to benefit these uh, these mental facilities. If all you yeah. all you can do all you need to do is pick up a telephone and make a phone call with an allegation to, in order to uh, slap someone with hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. The last guy last hour had a seventy thousand dollar bill because he was there for a month, if not thousands of dollars. That, that, my friends, is fascism. How much was yours? I'm sorry, what? It came out to be about fifteen thousand. $15,000 for two weeks in the hospital that you did not want. You had no intention of, of, uh, of, of desiring. Um, and yet, now, what are you going to do about this? Um, I, uh, first thing I, I did is I, uh, you know, I paid what I could, and I, uh, I did call the hospital and told them the situation. They said, well, if you don't like it, you shouldn't have come here. <laughs> what is that all That's about? That's actually what they said. I, I know, so... Uh, as far as I just... I'd have told them to go to hell with their bill. They could shove their bill as far as I was, I'd was. i be concerned. That's going to be a credit issue. $15,000. Have you been tempted oh, to I, send the bill to your ex-wife? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I I just wanted to get it over with. So sure. I, I gave them their bribe and went on with my life. That is disgusting that that can happen in this uh, in this country today, that somebody picks up a phone, uh, the cops come over. What was it like when uh, when that actually occurred? Where were you? Did the police show up? Did you answer the door? How quickly were you arrested? What was that situation well, like? Well, first, uh, it was a paramedic who came to the door, and I answered, and I said, is, and he said, someone's sick in here? I said, no. Like, we got a call that someone might be, uh, might be injured in here, Mike. Well, you must have gotten a prank call or something. Everyone's fine in here. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 and, uh, I closed the door, and then the, the police came about a few minutes later, and uh, they knocked on the door and said, uh, is, I'm not going to, Dave's not your name, by the way, but mm-hmm. they, they, my name. And they said, you need to come with us. I'm like, and I was very confused, and they said, we, we feel you might be a danger to yourself. <laughs> what do you think would have happened had you not answered the door? I... Uh, well, these people are insane, so they probably would have gotten out all their fun little toys. Um, well, they, they would assume that you were in the house? I, I don't know. Yeah, they may have. If there was a call that said someone was going to kill themselves, they may have take, taken the liberty to, to break into your house. This is something that uh, is it's just a disturbing situation. We did a story a while back about a man that, again, had family members call because he was allegedly despondent. They sent the police over, and it ended up being a uh, standoff where the guy just wanted the cops to leave him alone. They insisted on not leaving him alone. He ended up uh, getting shot by cops. And uh, so, I mean, I suppose that could have been an outcome, but once again, I feel like people should really take away a lesson here, and that is if the cops come to your door, don't answer it. You have no reason to talk to these people. This is dangerous stuff. More on the way. Thanks for the call, dude. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us, including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the site, for your downloaded convenience at freetalklive.com. 
LegalZoom.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. So, did you guys hear the story about the woman that died at uh, Sky Harbor International Airport in Phoenix? No. While she was in the custody of your loving government? No. I heard about her. This is a pretty outrageous story, uh, and Becky Akers, who is always on the ball when it comes to the TSA and the federal airport goons stepping out of line, uh, just she does an amazing job of telling the story here. Becky Akers at LouRonquil.com. Contortionists worldwide must be mourning the death of Carol Ann Gottbaum. She was an artist of unparalleled talent. Well, at least if you believe the cops who arrested, trust, and imprisoned her at Sky Harbor International Airport in Phoenix, Arizona. She died in their custody last Friday because, according to their report, quote, she had possibly tried to manipulate the handcuffs from behind her to the front, got tangled up in the process, and they ended up around her neck. Oh, wait a minute. Unquote. Go ahead and try it, says Becky. Hold your hands behind your back together and then raise them. Now, you truly appreciate Ms. Gottbaum's unbelievable skill. It's next to impossible to lift your arms more than a few vertebrae upward. They won't go anywhere near your neck. Now, to be fair, there are some people that have weird double-jointedness back there, and they can sort of wriggle their arms around, and, and somehow they are able to move You've them around. You've seen this? I, I have never heard of this. I've never seen it I've done. seen a lot of people in handcuffs, and I have never, ever, ever heard of the idea that someone can get their handcuff I've never from seen behind a... their back to in front. I, I, guess, never... I've, I, I guess I've heard about people that trying to do it through their, over their fannies, but I would love to see a video of that. I've never seen it done in handcuffs, but I have, I have had, uh, when I was younger, I had a friend that could could sort of hold his hands together behind his back, hold on to something, and sort of bring it around. I don't think it'd be, it would be much more difficult in handcuffs, if not impossible. Anyway, the addition, I, I guess there's something else she was tethered or, t- or trussed, I guess. So the handcuffs were tethered to the table or tethered to something else. So it wasn't just handcuffs she had on. She had something attached to the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oddly, no account of Ms. Gottbaum's death mentions her prowess as a pretzel. We learn instead that she was 45 years old, that she held an MBA from South African University, and that she leaves behind three very small children. It's a very delicate matter, said her grieving mother in the New York Daily News. Delicate. Hmm. Not exactly the word Becky would use. Ms. Gottbaum was late for a flight on U.S. Airways Express Friday afternoon. Don't even think of blaming the TSA and its senseless checkpoint charade. Tardiness is always our fault. As the TSA's website explains, quote, Be prepared and plan ahead for security. Passenger preparedness for the security process can have a significant impact on wait times at the checkpoint. Unquote. Nevertheless, something, and it's a good bet that those wait times played a significant part, Something kept Ms. Gottbaum from reaching her gate until the plane was already preparing to depart. Of course it did. She then made the fatal mistake of uh, complaining rather than kowtowing when USA Airways personnel prohibited her from boarding. Thanks to the laws deputizing airline crews, which I wasn't aware of, but she links to it, most passengers smile and shuffle no matter how abusive those uniformed bullies become. Not Ms. Gottbaum. As a customer who'd bought a seat on a plane still sitting at the gate, she apparently thought that the airline should accommodate her. Since Ms. Gottbaum isn't here to defend herself, we only have the word of U.S. airwaves and the cops on what happened now. She was rebooked on the next flight, but she became extremely irate, apparently running up and down the gate era, uh, area, according to U.S. Airways. And that's a no-no. The aviation industry no longer tolerates any reaction but subservience. It tacitly equates rage at its abuses with terrorism. This allows its uh, myrmidons, myrmidons, that's a word I don't know, mm. to call the cops when customers vent their frustration. 
We aren't told how many thugs piled on to subdue a 45-year-old mother of three. Quote, airport workers said one cop put his knee in her back to restrain her, while others grabbed her flailing arms. The New York Daily News quoted a witness. I believe she was a little not there. She kept on punching. She kept screaming. She kept kicking. She looked really scared, really frightened. I think she was afraid to go to jail. Meanwhile, poor Ms. Godbaum labored under another illusion as fatal as her belief that airlines should treat customers like customers. The totalitarianism at airports is meant to catch terrorists rather than to intimidate citizens while conditioning them to government searches. And so she sought to set her captors straight, yelling things like, I'm not a terrorist! I'm a sick mom! I need help! Want to bet the cops laughed at her in naivete as they hauled her off to a cell? But Ms. Gottbaum didn't gently go into that dark night. Her kidnappers say she screamed and kept on screaming. Astonishing, the medal required of police. We civilians should be, uh, would feel responsible for traumatizing a fellow human being so badly that she shrieks without intermission. We would try to relieve her distress by, you know, releasing her, letting her leave. Not Phoenix's finest. They contented themselves with coming in to check on Gottbaum every 15 minutes. About five to ten minutes had passed, and the officers had not heard Gottbaum's voice, so someone came in to check on her, according to police. A woman healthy enough to run up and down the gate area an hour or two before now lay unconscious and not breathing. Paramedics were unable to revive her. But the authorities assure us that neither a taser nor pepper spray was used on the woman. Mm-hmm. Not counting crashes, this is the second fatality to Americans uh, to America Aviation's credit since 9/11. Air marshals killed a uh, killed a 44-year-old missionary in December of 2005 when they shot Rigoberto Alpazar in a jetway. Mr. Alpazar had changed his mind about flying and tried to disembark from a flight, preparing to leave Miami. Two marshals followed him off the plane and slaughtered him. They claimed he was shouting about a bomb. Remember this story? Yeah. While other passengers aboard the flight flatly denied that. Never heard about, about a bomb. Many insisted the only time they heard the B word was when the authorities were questioning them later. But the government's version triumphed over the truth. Florida's state attorney refused to indict the marshals for murder. The White House even commended them. Those who never knew Mr. Alpazar as a loving, gentle, and caring husband, uncle, brother, son, and friend quickly forgot his death. He had no politically powerful relatives. But Miss Gottbaum does. Her mother-in-law is Betsy Gottbaum, a Democratic hack who's pestered New York City for decades. Betsy now reigns as public advocate, an office one step below the mayor's. So when she says, quote, we're very concerned about what happened at Phoenix Airport, it's under investigation and we're following that investigation, the goons in Arizona tremble. They know that enforcers in a police state can murder folks like Rigoberto Alpazar with impunity. But snuffing a politician's family or friends... Well, that's as big a no-no as a passenger protesting as a passenger's protesting shoddy service. Betsy got them. Uh, Betsy's got them sweating so profusely that spokes bureaucrat Andy Hill was out there again trying to bolster their lie. This time he wants us to believe that contortionists are a dime a dozen and even less law-abiding than your average surf, saying, "Well, there are many people that are able to get handcuffs around their back and get them up, uh, get them up and around. How the handcuffs got placed on that neck area, we don't know yet." Unquote. Becky says, ah, but something tells me we soon will. So the investigation will continue. There are a couple of autopsies scheduled uh, for this uh, lady's body. Again, 45-year-old mother of three who was found strangled to death all by herself in a cell at an airport. Strange story, huh? Yeah, it does sound a little odd. Makes you wonder what happened there. How could that have possibly have happened? I mean, I understand you've got that little tether that's attached to the handcuff. So she wasn't just handcuffed. She had that chain, which theoretically you could wrap around your neck somehow and choke yourself. But 
wouldn't you realize you were wrapping it around your neck? I mean, did she kill herself? I suppose that's a possibility, but why would she? I mean, she's got kids to take care of. She's got obligations. That doesn't seem very likely. Was she murdered by the cops? Possible as well. Is it likely? I guess we'll follow the story and keep you informed as more develops. This is your show. You bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231, sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there, a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. Let's go right into the phone calls here and talk to Eric in Michigan. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Good evening, gents. Hey, what's on your mind? In the past, we've talked about the commons, and you guys have said the commons are really the problem because people overuse them and things just don't turn out well. What is the commons? Can the you commons define that? is a resource which people can use in, in common. Everyone has access to it, and no one has to pay anything to use it. So it's the uh, concept of public property, then, that everyone owns a piece, right? Precisely. Mm-hmm. Precisely. And in the past, uh, you've argued that essentially anything can be ri- uh, privatized. Even the ocean, you've said, could be privatized. You could just you know, cut out a swath of ocean there and you know, buy it, and that's yours. I think the real trouble, though, is that there's one thing you can't privatize, and that is air. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know how you would respond when it comes to air pollution and how you could possibly deal with that problem. It's a fine question. Uh, Well, for instance, if you are living nearby of a, let's say, a coal plant or something like that, something that's obviously puffing pollution out into the air, um, and uh, you can take some sort of a scientific test to show that the air on your property is being polluted, and you can prove that it is, that those pollutants are indeed coming from said plant down the street. That's right. It's chemical trespassing. Right. Then you've got a case. Uh, you know, it may not be that the air is your property, but that air is at that time on your property and therefore going into your lungs, putting your life in danger. Um, so you've got a case. You've got a property uh, a property property rights violation against the uh, the offender. Are you guys really telling me that David is going to take on Goliath? I mean, me as a homeowner who barely has, you know, two pennies to rub together is going to take on a coal giant that owns multiple plants and has lawyers that could sue me to kingdom kingdom come? Well, I think um, also we've talked about uh, an entire revamp of the judicial system. What you're talking about is absolutely true in uh, our current system. Is David can't take on Goliath and uh, have any ch- chance of winning um, in, a, in an arena where perhaps the loser would pay. Um, that would probably be a a good thing, or at least an option that the uh, the judge should have, um, or you know, call it an arbiter or whatever. In those particular arenas, I think that um, you'll probably see a lot more justice done. Currently, our judicial system set up so the rich guy wins and the poor guy loses. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. It right. just matters how much money you can throw at it and um, how difficult you can make it on the other Also, person. our judicial system is a monopoly. Um, you know, there, while there are arbitrators out there, you know, if you're taking someone to court, you're taking them to government court, which means that the government court, once the government court rules, then, well, it's over and done with, and they typically seem to rule in favor of the big corporations and the big companies and those who are politically connected and all of that. Whereas in a marketplace where you actually had competitive justice, where you had different arbitrators competing for people's business, 
business competed for cases, the market, uh, the, the market people, the arbitrators, are interested in satisfying the consumer. And there are a lot more consumers than there are big corporations, for instance. Um, so, for instance, if indeed it looks like this company has been polluting somebody's air, then the court, in this case, would be foolish to rule in favor of the company because it'll then it'll turn out to look like they're a, a corporate shill and the word's going to spread via the internet or uh, boycotts or whatever that hey you shouldn't do business with Wayne's uh, arbitration association he's always ruling in favor of the big corporations and so his business will dry up and if you got no business then you don't have you don't make any money so in a marketplace situation where there's competition people will be looking to satisfy people instead of make arbitrary decisions in favor of the politically connected so we are talking about a total revamp of everything um, yeah. You're yeah. living in a fantasy, and while it is a beautiful fantasy, it's still a fantasy. The trouble is that right now we all have access to a lawyer if we want one. The trouble is that in a private market, everyone still has that right, but it's still dependent upon how much money you have. The coal company, which has millions upon millions of dollars to just throw around, is going to get the best lawyer you're possible. You're living, in, you, okay, you're living in this current paradigm, and you aren't able to really envision the fantasy how we're talking about here. How are you going to afford here? a lawyer, the caliber of all, First of all, you're already right. wrong in that you won't need a lawyer to go right. to an arbitrator. Lawyers are really um, experts in case law, and I don't think that case law is that valuable. At this point, um, we have a real problem in this country in that there's so much case law that you absolutely do need an attorney to meddle through it. What, in fact we need from our judicial system are fair rulings and we're not getting that you can't get that and also and are you telling me you can't create a system where they're going to have um, fair rulings absolutely gentlemen are, are you telling me that i'm going to go and i'm going to argue my case and say you know i'm john q public and say oh this guy's hurting my lungs no they're i'm not saying that someone. you they're didn't let it you didn't we action. haven't gotten to the point where we we've uh, envisioned this for you Essentially, you can go and do what you want in the marketplace, and there will be probably different options. We can't predict right now from our current position with this monopoly system. We can't predict what it's going to be like, but one idea that you could roll over in your head is that there would be, if you want to call them lawyers or representatives or arbitrator attorneys or whatever you want to call them, you could go to them and say, hey, I've got a pollution case. And it's up against, you know, big corporation A. And, you know, if you want to help me out with this, I can't afford to pay you up front. But, you know, this is a big corporation, and this is a solid case. I mean, they're just down the street pumping smoke out into the air. You know, they'll investigate it for you. They'll find out, yeah, you do have a good case. Uh, we are going to take this to the arbitrator. And then the, they'll get paid because the, comp the corporation will lose. So you'll be ticked. A lot of cases like that will be picked up pro bono because those lawyers want to make a name for themselves. by On speculation, pro bono. Is not the right term. Spec, whatever, they'll, uh, they'll be picked up because those lawyers want to make a name for themselves as the big crusher of the evil corporations. That's so, not going to happen, and the reason is because if you're living in a court system where the loser pays, it's going to be extremely dangerous to go up against a, a company like, for instance, DT Energy, which has got millions or billions of dollars because they but will But it doesn't matter the they're work. billions of dollars because they're operating in a uh, competitive environment with arbitrators that are looking to satisfy consumers and give honest rulings. If it comes out that the arbitrator gave a BS ruling when all of the evidence points to pollution on the part of the corporation, then they and will be punished the by the marketplace. Are going to go to that arbitrator. Sorry? Then all the coal companies are going to go to that arbitrator. Well, again, when it comes to arbitration in the marketplace, there's different ways that we can look at how that would organize itself. And, uh, you know, both parties actually do have to consent to the arbitrator in so the first place. So what you're saying is that the system that we're proposing is as bad as the one we currently have? No, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> certain about that. I think it might actually no, be no, worse. No, no, worse. You don't have a government. 
What? The government to, uh, that's Ian, that's Ian's issue. I'm not saying that, in fact, there. Uh, no, the government would not be in invi- involved in environmental issues. The government, um, you know, I don't see that the government has a role in environmental issues. The government right now today is backing up corporations. That's right. how it works. Corporations right. work in tandem with the government. We're proposing a more decentralized system where the consumers have a lot more power and a lot more ability to uh, to actually have uh, rulings come out in their favor. And well, again, both sides have to, con- uh, to consent to the arbitrator, and you're bringing the case. So you're bringing this corporation to the arbitrator, which has established a reputation for itself as being a fair arbitrator. That's why you chose them, because they're fair. You wouldn't go to an unfair arbitrator. So you've established that you want to go to this arbitrator, and the corporation then has to decide whether they want to go there or not. If the corporation chooses to not go to that arbitrator, then they lose reputation because they aren't going to a legitimate, established, reliable arbitrator because they've got something to hide, and that's going to lose them business as well. What if the corporation just decides to not agree to any arbitrator. I mean, they're already making money hand over fist. Are they forcing you to want, buy their products? People want cheap energy. That's the, that's the plain and simple thing. The only people that are going to care are the people that live right next to the factory or the, the plant, and everyone else is going to want cheap energy. You're, so you're right. always going to have the most polluting plants that are getting the most business because people aren't going to pay double to get solar energy if they're not living right next to the thing. Well, that's true, but in our present system, the government protects a lot of these, these industries and companies and basically, there's not real competition uh, in the marketplace. And some, some alternative energy, which is inexpensive and decentralized, is discouraged by government. And, and, the, and the big polluting centralized uh, ways of producing power are encouraged by government. Well, wait, what about, what about nuclear facilities? I mean, uh, the government, not even looking at alternatives. Let's right. look at nuclear. The government has prevented nuclear facilities from being built since the 1970s. We're literally leave, uh, living in the 70s as far as our power system is concerned. Nuclear plants can be built safely. They can be built to where... They, it's very efficient, and it's something that we really should have in this country. But no, the government insists that we have to stick with these old, outmoded versions of uh, power, like coal and all these other polluting well, things. So it's the government that's p- uh, protecting the polluters, not the marketplace, sir. Nuclear power is really 40s energy, too. But I mean, uh, you know, there is. The but wait a there, minute. You're suggesting act- that it hasn't advanced in the last 60 years? I mean, are well, you kidding me? No, but me? I mean, even coal they've, has advanced in the last they've 60 come years. Up with, uh, they've come up with great new technologies that they aren't allowed to implement because. Because of government laws. Your government's your problem, Eric, not your solution. Thanks Thank for the you, call. 800 259 9231 is the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Love to hear your comments on that issue or whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. 1 800 259 9231. You take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, and we've only got a few moments remaining. The toll free number is 1 800 259 9231. And just enough time for your call if you make it right now. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are for free. And if you like the show, then you should help us uh, spread Free Talk Live. To get on more stations, we ask you to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com, and you'll get some perks, like access to the amp-only call-in-line, amp-only chat room and forum, and uh, a few more things. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn about the program, learn how we're spending the money that's coming in, because it's all going into promoting Free Talk Live. This is not something that goes to paychecks. Mark isn't making car payments with this money or anything like that. Uh, it's going to get Free Talk Live. I'm going to start that fund soon, though. It's going to get Free Talk Live to more listeners. And if that's valuable to you, help, uh, help us out at amp.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones and to the fund. Talk to Chris. Oh, wait, hold on. we got to go to Jamie. I believe Jamie told you so in Kentucky. Jamie, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Jamie in Kentucky? Yeah. Hey, you're on the hey, air. How y'all doing? Great, Jamie. What's on your mind? Oh, 
I'm doing just fine. Oh, uh, just like uh, uh, now, this, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. In what are you telling Next us? Next year, the national ID card. Mm-hmm. Now Bush, you know, he's crooked anyways. Sure he is. He's planning on something. I believe there's going to be a big crash in the uh, market. Now, Jamie, and that's certainly a possibility. Um, money will be worthless. It's going that direction. I mean, they're working on that. But but on the whole national ID card front, there are some states. I don't know if Kentucky is one of them, but I know that New Hampshire and Maine and a few other states have basically told the government that, uh, forget it. I think Montana, maybe another one. They've told the government, we're not interested in your national ID card. Uh, we don't want to participate in this, and so screw off. Well, uh, well, uh, well. When when the uh, market crashes, that national ID card will be the only way to buy or sell. You think? Wouldn't that require a lot of uh, change in industry? I mean, if the the market's going to crash, I I don't think that Walmart's going to have the ability to scan my national ID card to see whether or not I can buy a pack of toilet paper after the. No, this is going to be like a debit card too. This is uh, this is going to be like a debit card. Your insurance will be put on it. Uh, your health insurance, everything will be put on it. The all-in-one card. And Bush said if you did not take it, you can't hold a job, you can't buy or sell. And what does that say? It says it in the Bible about it. Well, I don't know what the Bible says. That's all certainly subject to interpretation. But uh, but you're right. I mean, the government the does the government does want to control our actions as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've quite made all the proposals you're claiming for the national ID card. Although I don't doubt there are people in the government that would like to see those things happen. Uh, at this point, it's just they're uh, they're trying to get all the states on board with this national ID card concept. I think down the line you'll see more and more draconian uses of it. But as of right now, they're just trying to get compliance from the states, which they can't get because they didn't offer federal funding along with the national ID card program. So what they did was they told the states, okay, you guys have till May of 2008 or whatever the month is. You have until 2008 to implement this new national ID card program, and that's it. They didn't give them any federal money to go along with it, and, and state bureaucrats, they're all about the federal uh, dollars. They like the that extra money coming into the budget. They don't like having to do what they call unfunded mandates. They don't like having to go and work and create a new uh, ID card scheme if they're not going to get any money from the federal government for doing it. So um, that's where the impasse is for a lot of these states that are refusing it. They're not refusing it on principle. They're not refusing it because they care about your liberty. They just want money from the feds, and the feds aren't giving it up. So right now it's kind of... Um, I think it feel it feels to me like it's on hold or frozen to some extent. I don't know if it's going to happen when you say it is. In fact, I think I've heard that they've extended the deadline. One more thing before I go mm-hmm. about this: uh, uh, the, uh, all the legislation and everything, like the Patriot Act and everything, yeah, has been proposed. Now, mark my word about this too. I even read it online. The Jesuit uh, oath. The what? The Jesuit oath. Jesuit? You ever heard of the Jesuits? Yeah, they're Catholic. Uh, I don't know. I heard, I heard the Catholic uh, CIA. I read the oath. It's in the uh, pre- presidential library, mm-hmm. and I read it online. And they they call them ones that don't uh, that's not Catholics and you know don't believe in don't believe in worshiping Mary. They're heretics. Remember hmm. the Inquisition. This sounds kind of like the the Muslims and their their infidel thing too. If if they kill a bunch of Protestants, do they get to have uh, seventy five virgins when they go to heaven? 
I don't know nothing about that. Okay. But, uh, what I want to know is how long you've been online. You said you read that online, Jamie. You, you don't strike me as an Internet kind of guy. Well, I've been online for, uh, I know, about three months now. Really? Excellent. So are you getting online at your grandma's house? Because you used to live My at grandma your grandma's house. My grandma passed away. Oh, right. I'm sorry to hear that. But aren't you living in her, in her house, or where are you living? No. No, I couldn't didn't live in her house. Where, where are you today? Jamie? Going here and there. So you, what, are you living at friends' houses, or are you homeless, or what, what's going on? Well, I'm living at home for right now. At your home, or your mom's home, or what? Uh, parents' home. Okay, living with parents. How old are you? Uh, 30. 30 years old, living so I, at mom's I need house. A, I, well, I need a job. It's You're not working for the Dollar Tree anymore? Mexicans are taking it over. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Does a Mexican have your job at the Dollar I'm Tree? Not, I'm not racist or nothing. No, I think but, it was Dollar General. You know, Bush, Bush causes a problem. Then get everybody riled up about it, and that, that's uh, that's what he wants. Uh, well, that much you, you are correct about. And so, what are your favorite websites to visit, Jamie? I'm curious. Like, what well, you... my wrestling website. Oh yeah. Did and, you hear uh, our interview with Kane? You like Kane? WWE's Kane? Uh, no, he's evil. He's not evil. Oh, he plays an evil character, though, right? Yeah. You know, like you know, it's all better. acting, right, Jamie? Oh, oh you know? yeah, yeah. Tomorrow night. Huh. TNA two hours. What does that mean? What? Total nonstop action. Excellent. Is this like a wrestling thing? Yeah, tomorrow night. That sounds exciting. Texas, I wish I had TV. Texas barbed wire? I don't have TV, so I can't watch it. But uh, but now, you know that uh, that WWE's Kane isn't actually a bad guy. He's played by a guy named Glenn. You know that, right? Glenn G- Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, Glenn Jacobs. Now, he's not a bad guy. We've met him in person. He's a hell of a nice guy. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a good guy. You ought to you ought to check out our. Oh, interview. I know he was helping out Ron Paul. Is that how y'all met him? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, actually, I think we met him before the whole Ron Paul thing. But uh, nonetheless, he's a good guy. He's a member of the Free State Project. And uh, if you want to listen to the interview, it's over at freetalklive.com on our guests page. And Jamie, thanks for the call. We appreciate it as always. Jamie Toja, so now online. Can you believe it? Well, if he wanted to hear that uh, interview with Kane, he could just go to freetalklive.com and check the interview section. That's and, what I just said. Okay. Yes, I was just sort of reminiscing that, wow, it's pretty neat. Old Jamie told you so. He even figured out the whole Internet thing. 800-259-9231. Oh, let's I think go it's going to work, that Internet. Chris in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hello, Chris. Hey, Ian. This is Chris. Hey. Um, What's on I heard you uh, talking with Eric, and uh, it brought back uh, some memories for me of many debates I've had with my collectivist friends about this tragedy of the commons problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the solution, at least to it, seems to me to be, you know, if we don't go to a DRO, is actually from our history. At least that's what I discovered reading um, or listening to audiobooks about, uh, by uh, Murray Rothbard on the Von Mises site. Okay. According to this one uh, thing I had read or heard, they were saying basically that uh, pollution, or things similar to that, used to be treated as almost a, not almost, a trespassing violation. Exactly. Sure. So that's what it, it is. actually been a... Uh, a criminal offense, and then sometime, I, I think it was around the turn of the century, maybe in the 20s, via statutory law or a Supreme Court ruling, they basically decided that that was inappropriate and was encouraging Luddites, in other words, preventing progress. So they basically gave up this this property rights approach uh, to handle this uh, tragedy of the commons problem and exchanged it with, of course, the collectivist approach, which is statutory law right in order to Government favor in order cut. to favor those big business interests that wanted to build uh, polluting smokestacks and that sort of thing right right and you know the, the problem of you know, the size of the legal staff well you know in the case of a you know a, a lawsuit you know suing that's a civil matter but you know this would be a criminal matter 
Hmm. So I, I, I don't think it would be as lopsided because obviously the company in question, you know, and we can debate later whether or not companies should even exist, but would have to defend themselves against this property rights violation, not against like a tort or contract or something like that. By the way, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a physicist by degree and a software engineer by yeah. profession. I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer either, but I still find this issue very fascinating. And I think that in a decentralized uh, world, in a, a more free market world where the consumers have more power because there's no government around to enforce the will of the corporations and that sort of thing, I think we, you're going to see uh, the corporations being very, companies being very careful about the fact that, you know, whether or not they're going to pollute or not. Because they know, they would know that it could be a criminal thing or they could face severe financial penalties, and that's going to mean that if they face a severe financial penalty, they'll have to raise their costs on all their products, presuming people still want to even buy them after they've been outed as a polluter, um, that they'll be done for. So their polluting could really do them in as a business, and uh, it's something I think they take very seriously. Chris, thanks Wait, for the like call. Oh, no problem. Appreciate it, man. It has been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. We will be joining you again tomorrow night. And you can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. I wanted to talk about the secessionists today. They made the news again. It's always good. Hope they keep up the good work out there talking about secession because it's something that needs to be on the table. It's something that Americans need to hear about again because the time's coming. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. George Phillies is the right candidate for president. A serious, well-educated candidate who... DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.